going on, everybody? My name is Gabe. And I'm Matt. And this is going to be another episode of the Tentacle Bot Podcast. And uh, as we bring the year to a close, we've got, uh, like, what week is this? We're going to be releasing this this upcoming Friday here. This is going to be one of the, this is like the third to last episode before Mm -hmm. we go to like to our our year-end episode. Yeah. You know, I was hoping to start to finish out the year strong. This ain't it, boys. Matt, tell us what we're talking about today. Absolutely. (laughs) So today we're talking about the new record by Of Mice and Men entitled Echo, which was released on December 3rd, 2021 via Sharptone Records. Um, Really quick, I'll introduce the band, and I want to give a little bit of additional information that um, I found was kind of weird, but I definitely want to take a moment to talk about. Uh, The band is composed of Aaron Pauly on vocals and bass, we have Phil Manasala on lead guitar and backing vocals, Alan Ashby on rhythm guitar and backing vocals, as well as David Valentino Tino Artega on drums. Um, the little bit of additional information is along, alongside in quotes. On Fe- February 26th, the band released the Timeless EP, followed by releasing of the Bloom EP on May 28th. And then actually on December 3rd of 2021, alongside the release of Echo, was the release of the Ad Infinitum EP. Um, I also, part of the reason I wanted to bring this up is all of the songs collectively between these three EPs are the exact same tracks that we have here on the record. Um, Gabe and I were actually talking a little bit before we started recording the podcast, and it seems to almost be like, of Mice and Men was kind of trying to do like what Acacia Strain did with uh, Slow Decay. Um, so that's kind of what we're seeing here. I wasn't able to get any information on why the band decided to go down this route. Um, but really, without any further hesitation, Gabe, you've kind of alluded to some of your thoughts. So I'll actually kind of let you let you take first impressions first. Yeah, you know, I'm just going to preface this. If you're an Of Mice and Men fan, Of Mice and Men fan, you're not going to like what I have to say on this podcast. <laughs> so I, I, I came into this. I've never been a fan of a Mice and Men to begin mm-hmm. with. I never liked Austin Carlisle's vocals. The and like In my personal opinion, the best years of Attack Attack were when Caleb Shomo took over. Mm-hmm. It, just to kind of give a little bit of my opinion on kind of like where I was with the band previous in their, I guess, what would be their more superior form. Mm-hmm. Um And then the new guy came in. Uh, what was it? Austin Pauly, you said? Aaron Pauly. Aaron Pauly. Mm-hmm. This record felt like it felt like a, a few different things. One, it felt like it was his first go with the band until I learned that this is album number three that he's been fronting. That it. sounds right. And I was like, okay, he doesn't really seem confident in what he's doing, and this doesn't feel like it would be a release. Th- th- this feels like a very safe release mm-hmm. when introducing a new singer. Right. Being that this is album number three, it's no longer time for that at this point. It, it, you, mm-hmm. You're supposed to be like really pushing it. Right. Um, number two, this felt really, nothing was pushed. Uh, like there was no boundaries, no genre lines crossed, nothing like that Mm -hmm. for a band that's been around since I believe 2008, 2009. Yeah. Uh, for a band that's been around this long, it feels like this is the same thing, if not a more safe version of what they were doing, Mm -hmm. uh, back in like their, their big claim to fame was restoring force. I believe it was the album with the seashell. Yep. And I, I jammed that one like halfway through once just so I could get a feel for the album. And like it, I, I feel like that album pushed a lot more boundaries than this one did. Mm-hmm. 
and just have a listen through. And then item number three, C, whatever I started with. This feels like Walmart brand metalcore. Like this was boring beyond all get out. That's what I have to, to, to just to start off. What do you have, Matt? Hot dog. <laughs> so um, I'll kind of give my first impressions. Then I'll honestly just jump right into the musical review. Um, so really, we're continuing to see the musical trend that the band's taken for for the last few years. We've got these heavy verses, big, really big singing choruses. I'm not even going to edit that out. Matt just sneezed on air. How dare you? I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, the band continue. I mean, if you look at what the band is capable of from a talent perspective, they do what they do really well. Uh, but jumping right into the musical review is the band has seemed to really find their niche, especially now that Aaron has taken over with full vocal responsibility. Um, niche, if you will, and is continuing to expand on exactly that. So where... They would do in restor- restoring force isn't quite a a good example because that was where we saw of mice and men kind of move into a little bit more of like a mainstream rock direction. Um, also to preface, I am definitely I'm much bigger of a fan of the band than Gabe is. Absolutely, and, and I guess to really kind of go over this further. I knew that I didn't like Of Mice and Men years ago, so I haven't listened to hardly anything from mm-hmm. them. Th- this was really my first like big introduction to listening to them, right? Because I had to do it for the podcast. Otherwise, I never would have given this e- album a chance. That's and, fair. Yeah, I'll, I'll leave it at that. For no, now. you're you're totally <laughs> fine. Um, this is honestly the first record by Of Mice and Men I've listened to all the way through since Restoring Force. Um, even when they put out Cold World, which was the last record that the band had with Austin Carlisle, I had only heard a couple of the singles, and it was kind of hit and miss for me. When Austin had originally left and then Aaron took over, the first few singles that were released off of... Actually, I think it was only the singles released off of that record were what I had listened to, and I enjoyed them. Um, same thing with Earth and Sky, which would have been the second record that they had put out. The problem with this record here is the songs feel to me like they're just too similar. The verses in most of the songs on this record have the, the or I'm sorry, the, let me start that sentence over. <laughs> The songs seem to kind of follow a particular formula in a lot of cases. Verses are aggressive screaming vocals on top of either a groovy or a chuggy or a breakdown-esque or all of the above kind of riff before coming into a big sing-along chorus, before going back into the verse chorus and closing with a breakdown. Um, It's kind of following that sort of formula, and it, it seems to do that a little bit too much here on the record. Again, from a talent standpoint, the band is able to compose really good riffs, melodies, sections of songs, but too many of them seem way too similar to each other as well as past material that you know they have done with Aaron at the front. Yeah, nothing on this uh, of these songs sounded unique. Like mm-hmm. every song that had a riff that I'm like, okay, this is a little bit more interesting then began to make me think of other bands. Mm-hmm. Like it was, uh, oh, well, I've heard a very similar riff coming from this band or coming from that band. Right. And it just nothing about it felt genuine. Like, and as I said before, like this is Walmart version metalcore. Like I mean that throughout, like as far as the instruments go, as far as the lyrical content goes, as far as just kind of the overall presentation goes, I felt like nothing about this album 
actually warranted the album being released. Okay. Yeah, and unfortunately, there there is some agreement that I do have to that. And um, as we kind of go through, as I'll actually kind of explain, is the initial listen to the record is I actually really enjoyed it. Um, and through casual listening, as I was like, okay, this has a lot of really really neat things to it, and it's it was enough to kind of keep me hooked. But the deeper I dove into it is the more it just devolved for me. Um, and we'll definitely dig into that on the uh, actual tentacle rating. What are your thoughts on the lyrics? Any difference? Not really. Um, there was uh, one song, if I remember correctly. Uh, it was uh, Pulling Teeth. Mm-hmm. That one felt the most genuine out of all of them. Okay. Up until the chorus. <laughs> <laughs> and then the, and I'll get into that when we get into the song, but that chorus doesn't make sense whatsoever. Okay. And like it just throughout the rest of the record, it was just kind of these. I guess the best way to put it would be like diet ethereal, because okay. it, it kind of feels like they're going more towards like these spacey kind of conceptualized lyrics, like something mm-hmm. that I would anticipate hearing from like Tesseract or yeah. uh, a band of that kind of nature where it's really more about kind of like the new agey concept. Mm-hmm. And I feel like a lot of the songs felt like they were in that manner, but it didn't, it was trying to blend that with like the old school metalcore mainstays. Oh yeah. Of just like personal problems and developments in those personal problems, mm-hmm. which isn't bad by any means, but it just never really felt like it was genuine. It just felt like they were, like you said earlier with the music, like it just felt kind of more like it was sticking to a formula. Mm-hmm. It never really had anything like with passion. There was no real huge lines that stuck out to me as I was reading along with the the songs. And it just, nothing really felt like it was meaningful. Okay. And that, and that may not be the case. And I'm sure that somebody's going to find meaning in something. And that's great for those people. For me personally, though, like this, the the lyrics on this album just completely missed the mark. Okay. So this one, um, to kind of dig into, at least put getting into a little bit of, of the concepts is it really feels like the narrator is going through a mad existential crisis. It reads like someone is having, a na- again, this nasty existen- existential crisis and just put their heart right on their sleeve. It almost feels like an invasion of privacy with the laundry that that's just been put out to dry. It just it feels like you're almost in the head of the narrator in the way that some of it was done. In the terms of the actual lyric writing itself, it's not my favorite. The slight use of metaphors slightly disguise what are fairly heavy themes, but it's not done in a in a way to that kind of keep makes it interesting or like actually pr- provokes the thought. Um, I think the only thing I have to say is I will give credit to these guys for not sugarcoating it. They're just kind of just upfront about what what they're trying to to write these songs about. Eh. That's all I got. That's <laughs> now let's talk about that artwork. Yeah, so the artwork is pretty cool. Um, we we see it kind of it's the uh, like a, a shaded sketch of a man opening up and inside like like pulling apart his chest cavity and that inside that chest cavity is a bird sitting on a line, um, and with mostly black and gray with a, a splash of orange in there. Birds. Yeah, birds aren't real. Anyway, uh, <laughs> um, the, I I do like the conceptual concept of this. 
I guess that's kind of a redundant stating. Yeah. Statement. I, I, I like the implementation of the concept, I guess, mm-hmm. would be the better way to put it. Um, so the three EPs um, are kind of all put into this together. So the uh, the Bloom EP kind of represented the uh, bird sitting on a line there, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it is. Uh, so the, the Bloom EP had a like a bird sitting on a branch in the same kind of sketch scribble style to it it's not scribbles but i don't really know the best way yeah to it. it's definitely like a sketch style yeah the timeless ep had this very painted sloppy brush stroke of the of mice and men logo which is the ampersand uh and then finally the ad infinitum ep has birds sitting on a line uh kind of just going off into the distance and i feel like all of the all of those elements were really put into place here on this album cover mm-hmm. so i respected it from that point for the album title Echo, I don't actually know if we've said that yet. The album we're viewing is Echo. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't, I don't, I don't see an Echo. No, like I, that, I don't. That's not what I pull from this. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think I think really the artwork is. Um, it kind of does feel, at least when you look at some of the lyrics, is it does feel like it makes sense because it's somebody opening up and to just let everything out. Um, I feel like the bird vision or like the using the bird in the art does feel kind of weird. Um, I'm not a hundred percent sure what the meaning behind it was. Um, I do also want to note that on the artwork is you can actually for, for the echo, um, actual album is over on the right side vertically is you can actually see what looks like the signature of the artist that had done it. Oh, that's cool. Um, so I, I wasn't able to catch who the artist was that did this one so i can't compliment them on their work uh, but to whoever it is absolutely fantastic job so now let's get into what might be our favorite part the track by track breakdown this is not going to be my favorite part what do we do in this section of the show break it down track by track hey (laughs) first song's called timeless and You've honestly got, I think, the most hate you that uh, on this episode. I'm gonna let you take this. Yeah, I, I don't know that I hate this record. I'm just it, it, the the way that I feel about this record is not the same way that I felt about the uh, Escape the Fate record, mm-hmm. where I genuinely just have a desire and hatred for that record, right? And or not desire, but like just a, a rampant hatred for that record. Mm-hmm. For this one here, I feel like this album is a lot more akin to when we did our first episode on the A Day to Remember yep. record. Like I just loathe listening to this because is because it is so cookie cutter and so boring. And this this album is no exception. Like or the, the, this song is no exception. Like just starting off, like it's a very basic generic metalcore riff like i feel like i've heard this in a hundred different songs Mm -hmm. and i feel like listening through this album really made me realize that i don't like just straight metalcore Mm -hmm. bands like of mice and men memphis mayfire bless the fall escape the fate like all of those guys like all of them sound the same to me at this point okay even though i've listened to them for years and this isn't just kind of like a boomer saying all the music sounds the same kind of thing like this is me as somebody who reasonably listens to music and and focuses on like all the different aspects of it mm-hmm. and, and breaks it down i mean we do this podcast we've been doing it for a year at yeah. this point and even then i've grown since then yeah and like i, I feel like i've just this riff 
it's the same riff that I've heard in a hundred and one different other metalcore songs. Yeah. And, and and so like that's what it starts out with. And just like fine, whatever. And like like you were describing earlier, it just the heavier screamed verses, we go into the clean chorus, it goes back into heavy screamed verse, back to the clean chorus, and then and it basically just kind of finishes out the song from there. Like it's very formulaic. The lyrical content is there. It's not bad writing by any means. Mm-hmm. Um, it just I don't see anything in this song that feels new. Okay. How are you feeling on it? So, um, again, to you know, because this is there were multiple EPs released. Is this is the first song of the record, as well as the EP of the same name, as and this is also the first single released um, of the of this collection of songs. Soothing sounds similar to what you would hear in a white noise machine. Uh, kind of start the song out before coming into this really catchy chug pattern. Before coming into a verse that honestly you just kind of can't mosh you really could not mosh to or you couldn't not mosh to like you would kind of have to get into the pit it's it's a decent riff um versus groove while also scratching that modern metalcore heavy itch before cutting into a chorus that almost feels like an entirely different song um unfortunately this that's going to be something that's referenced quite a bit here uh, in the episode is just how dichotomy doesn't feel like the right word, but just how divided. divided. Yeah, I think that's the best word. Um, Breakdown used to close out the song alternates from this like sludgy sound to groovy and just about everything in between. Um, And spoiler alert, this clearly shows what to expect on the record. And without wasting time, we'll go into obsolete. And riffs like the one that opened this song, as well as throughout a lot of this song, scratches an itch that I didn't know I always had. Groovy, not too chuggy, but also melodic riffs. There's just something about it that just, again, scratches that itch. Uh, Verses are heavy. Chorus is big and clean. Chorus here is another strong contrast from what the verses are, but this feels like it better fits than the chorus of the last song. This is the kind of riff and song that I had expected from the uh, Bullet for My Valentine album. Mm -hmm. I expected it to be kind of this generic hard rock kind of riff going into it. And I know it scratched that itch for you. It did not for me whatsoever. Okay. (laughs) Hearing the riff, like I said, like it it sounded like it should have been on the Bullet for My Valentine record, which I would have expected to like this album a lot more than that one and i am completely reversed at this point yeah whereas the bull from a valentine record was honestly solid and this one here is just not like like i said again this riff feels like it's something that's just off of any hard rock album i feel like i could turn on 98 kupd which is our local rock station here in Mm -hmm. phoenix i feel like i could turn this on and hear that exact same riff or i could go to apple music's hard rock playlist and hear this exact same riff right or go to spotify's breaking metal or whatever they call their hard rock list and hear this exact same riff yeah like nothing about it felt unique it didn't seem like it was something unique to the band it just felt like it was there and then again lyrical content it's just there I, and the become obsolete at the very end of the song, like where it's just kind of like that shouted hard rock kind of scream to it. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. 
I'm I not digging this album, man. <laughs> I can't. I can't say that. I mean, and trying to look at it from the the perspective of like creating the art is the the yelling of or the the screaming of become obsolete at the end does feel a little weird might just be something to kind of keep the song a little bit heavy even all the way to the end i'm not sure what the kind of thinking was but um let's just jump into the next one called anchor god i hate this song really i every time that it came on i didn't realize it had started and i never realized it finished until levy started like this song is utterly forgettable Mm -hmm. in every sense of the word I every single time, unless I unless I had specifically put on anchor, I did not know this song was playing because it is just that meaningless to me. <laughs> I'll, I'll, so, but before I jump into my stuff, is I'll I'll say that, that there's a very strong similarity to what happened with me. But I'll let you finish before I jump into my yeah. And then like really the last thing here is just like the overall concept of the song feels like it's. It's something that a, a 16-year-old girl will get as her first tattoo. Like, the anchor's weighing me down, and and it just... Mm-hmm. I, I didn't... And full disclosure, I didn't even do notes for this record because it was just going to be me saying the same thing <laughs> over and over and over. And I feel like even though I'm still saying the thing over and over and over, like, it's already getting repetitive. Yeah. <laughs> and this is song number three. Yeah, which <laughs> which it, it definitely not good. So, as you said... um, Despite being the first song to follow a different musical composure from what had been done before so far, this song got lost to me in listening, and whether it be casual or intentional. The opening riff follows the same template that we've seen, but that's when the, sem- the similarities temporarily stop. Verses are exclusively Aaron softly singing on top of electronics, and it's honestly kind of on the soothing side. Chorus blows up with Aaron adding some screams for some additional flavor that honestly kind of feels bad. Verse 2 is pulled up in energy as we hear Aaron's kind of middle-ish tone over a chugging guitar. Breakdown comes in and is a breakdown before devolving into a soft fading piano. Like, it's... As I'm kind of reading through my notes and I wanted to try and go into detail, I'm like, okay, here's kind of what happens in the songs. I feel like it it was too easy to kind of explain the different components of the song. And I think I think that started the the as I'm reading yeah. them now is like that's starting to bother me. I, I feel like this album here, and, and this isn't a knock on the artists talent themselves because mm-hmm. I'm sure that they are more talented than this record that's on. Yeah. Nothing about this album feels like I couldn't have written it myself. And that's not really a good feeling to have. No. When listening to something like it, if I were an of mice and man of mice and men fan, I cannot say that. Man. <laughs> <laughs> if Words I were an Omandum fan, <laughs> oh man, <laughs> Om ampersand. Yep. Yeah. Now I'm so funny. <laughs> like, we, I'm gonna I'm gonna need you to cut the joke because you're just you're devolving. Dude. Yeah. I, believe me, I know. I'm 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 trying to like keep it up for this just because I hate this <laughs> stupid record. <laughs> If I were a fan of of this band, I like. I guess I I can't say that as somebody who really has never listened to them before. If I had been a fan of uh, a favorite band of mine, let's say Trivium, mm-hmm. for for example, here, if Trivium had put out something this basic and this boring, I would be legitimately upset. Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> like, no, and, like, and I, I have to agree with you, honestly, because like looking at some of the bands that I listened to before. So, uh, as a slight tangent, but kind of, kind of keeping it in the same vein, is bands like Thousand Below, who I was absolutely hooked on with the first record. Um, same thing with Fire from the Gods. I was absolutely hooked on them with their first release. Then they put out their second release, which was a very, very dumbed down record on both parts. In the in regards to Thousand Below, is they were starting to kind of go in a little bit of a pop rock but like metalcore flavored sound and then far from the gods went into just this almost radio rock sound is it was a huge letdown for me and especially it being in that situation where you're so high on a band and then they just let you down like that like that's that's a huge it's just not not a great feeling yeah yeah, and, and that may not be the case. Maybe this album is being extremely well-received, but just as a fan of, of heavy music, this is not being well-received by me. And fi- at this point, like we're, we're already going on too long on this. So yeah, uh, we'll go ahead and jump into the fourth song, which is Levy. Um, this is the first time going into the song. I was like, okay, okay, this is this is a little bit better. I've already heard this riff before because the sound, the intro, of the the this entire song sounds like something that would have come off of early Red, mm-hmm. uh, the, the band Red, R-E-D which I was really big into them when I was a lot younger because like, they were kind of like one of my intros into heavy music. Right. And it, it kind of took me back a little bit to those older days, which was cool. I enjoyed that. And then like the rest of the song is okay. Like If I had to pick a favorite on the album, this would be up there. Okay. Um, just because this is the least nauseating. Uh, it doesn't really follow the exact same flor- formula. This one's a lot heavier throughout. The chorus actually does something different in mm-hmm. terms of like the overall melody. Um, I thought the the lyric choice was weird because like the the way that the chorus starts is like when the mean old levy breaks. I'm like, yeah, the, I, le- the levy is what's keeping the rain out. I don't think anybody from New Orleans will say describes the levy as mean. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, it was definitely. I kind of caught that when I was reading through the lyrics, and I kind of was like, "That's seems weird." Yeah, it's this song feels right about middle of the road for tempo. It's not too fast, but not too slow. The sections of the song all honestly work well together. Nothing feels out of place. It's still, unfortunately, just a weak, honestly, in my opinion, a weak song. Verses are heaviest to be expected. Choruses of a combination of Aaron singing and screaming with one of each layer. And I think the decision to do that layered, um, that layer for the chorus, I think, helped kind of keep some of the consistency in the song. Yeah. Like it's definitely one of the heavier songs on the mm-hmm. record, and like that's not to say that I only appreciate things that are heavy because, I mean, full disclosure, like my, one of my one of the albums in the running for my favorite album of the year is the New Times of Grace record. Yep, and the this one here, like it just finally felt like there was actually being a pulse added to something. Right, and then that pulse dies <laughs> with Bloom. <laughs> okay, so so I. Full transparency, because you guys cannot see my face. I am actually appalled, because I really like this song. This is... This I expected you to like this song, because this feels closest to uh, uh, Lunar Halo from ERA. 
I, you know what, you saying that, I can actually see that. <laughs> I can see it. And Which is once, proof that they did another band's copying thing. <laughs> this, this whole record is just them copying things. All right, cool. I'm glad that we got to the bottom of that, because that, that feels good to have that realization. Um, I kind of feel, aw, <laughs> I'm a little dead inside. <laughs> Aren't we all? Uh, yeah. The, the chorus on this one, until I read the lyrics, irked the ever-loving daylights out of me mm-hmm. because every time they said honey i thought they said money and it's like no money made from fake bouquets and i'm like that is a lie and you know it <laughs> and then i realized that they were saying honey and i'm like fine you're not wrong but there's still money <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah that's that's funny like it the, the overall general concept of the song is fine I, I'm not a fan of of it musically just because it feels pretty monotone throughout. Mm-hmm. Uh, but eh, sure, it's fine. It's That's there. <sighs> do you understand how I, hard I, this I is? I, I can, dude, I can literally see the pain in your eyes. It's it's a little rough. Um but so Bloom, this one actually caught me by surprise in the initial listen. The song begins with Aaron's distorted vocals exclusively, and you we come to find out that what he's singing is the chorus of the song. When he says distorted, it's not like he's screaming or like uh, causing physical distortion in his voice. It's more of like a an harmonizing effect was added on. Yeah, so he's got like yeah. a third and a fifth above and a third and a fifth below that that's happening yeah. while he's singing. So and honestly, now now seeing that is I'm really <laughs> seeing the lunar halo comparison. Um, so that happens before the guitars come in with this almost melodic kind of riff, and then once the vocals hit, is it's almost as if we're hit with a Mack truck. Aaron screaming gives this sense of pain and genuine rage. What the- do they say about apples and trees? That's the first line that he screams. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Lyrically, it maybe maybe doesn't completely give the sense of pain and genuine rage, but kind of as you go through, as you can definitely feel it. The courses in this one are really well done, uh, as it again does the layering of Aaron screaming under the clean vocals help again maintain the heaviness of the song. It might have take the place as favorite song on the record for me. This is not only the title track for the Bloom EP that was released on May 28th, but it's also the second single that was released from this collective record. It also contains the ev- the uh, the super edgy metalcore f bomb that's required that's for every right. record. I so. forgot about that. <laughs> I forgot about that. So you know we can check that box off of this copy machine. <laughs> <laughs> Now, you actually alluded a little bit to this song earlier. This one's called Pulling Teeth. Yeah, so this song here, um, I I feel like probably if I had to name a favorite song, this one takes it because this is a song that I detest the least. The it, it, it starts out super solid. Like the, the I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and just read the lyrics here. It's time stops for no man, the end awaits us all. The seconds sing our eulogies. We're trapped inside the belly of the beast with nothing but our memories and they too fade. Like that's pretty cool. I like yeah. the way that they painted that image of like how like we are destined to just all die. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that was a really good way to to paint that. And then they come in with the chorus. And it's just like slowly pulling teeth until your fingers bleed. Hey. You don't pull teeth with your fingers, ever. 
Yeah. Like the only time you would maybe pull teeth with your fingers is, is when you're for a, a child. child. Yeah. Yeah. When you're a child, usually you're it, it, if you're going to go either full blown where you're having a dentist do it. Or if you're like trying to torture somebody, you're going to use a pair of pliers. Yeah. Like you don't use your teeth for that because that just doesn't make logical sense. Um, so uh, until your fingers bleed, ravenous and incomplete, a hunger that you can't feed. I don't hunger for teeth and or pulling teeth. Do you hunger for teeth and or pulling no, teeth? No, no, no. I can't I say that I do. I didn't think so. And then it goes, <laughs> in, like, it goes into it again. Like the fault lines of life begin to separate and grace us with catastrophe. We stare over the edge into vast and open space while the ground on which we stand disappears. Again, super cool imagery. Really fits the whole yeah. like, first first verse. And then we go back into pulling teeth with our fingers and being hungry. <laughs> yeah. So and so and I, I'm actually glad you read through that. So we actually see that kind of theme within those verses, kind of pulled up throughout the record quite a bit. Um, and that's like as I was reading it, that's why I was really like somebody's really feeling the effects. Uh, so this was all written. Um, during the kind of the COVID lockdowns from my understanding is all of the guys would get together on zoom calls and just try to kind of keep each other motivated. Um, it just to, to keep, keep writing. Um, so it was zoom meetings. There was a lot of file sharing between the guys. Uh, and I believe the source I had gotten that information was actually from a review. I had actually read about the record and it just gave some additional insight. Out of five, what do you think they scored it at? Two. 4.5. No. I, I'm de- if, if I can find it, I will show you after the podcast. Um, they're, but let's... They're, they, they, they don't have a review because it's clearly wrong, and they can't put any, <laughs> you can't put anything wrong on the internet. You can't put, you can't put incorrect information <laughs> on the internet. So there's clearly... That's not a review. That, that was clearly satire. <laughs> So I'll give I'll give my thoughts on this song before we jump into the next one. We return to what we've seen before here on the record, and the band, band again demonstrates their talents in being able to do it. Unfortunately, it's just another song that falls into the same basket we've seen. Chorus feels out of place, unfortunately, waking what could have been a really good track end up becoming somewhat clunky. Breakdown at the end of this was heavy in all facets. We hear Aaron do like guttural-esque screams, and honestly probably the most exploration i've ever heard in his vocal capabilities and it's just you hear if you listen to the song is just pay pay attention specifically to him and just listen to what what he's doing and how much he's kind of moving around Mm -hmm. like i said i don't think i've ever heard him do that before and i've listened to i've been somewhat of a fan of there since probably about 2012 2013 i haven't <laughs> clearly <laughs> let's jump right into mosaic which is the first song off of the ad infinite did you pronounce it ad infinitum it's infinitum infinitum okay i appreciate that because i've been pronouncing it incorrectly naturally Main riff separates itself from everything off the record with a nice kind of bounce to it, and the tone on it I really appreciated. This is also the only song on the record with exclusively screaming vocals, and I'm really glad that this song's the way it is, as it just fits. Song's not clunky at all, and I just have to say it's a it's a solid addition. I'm glad they at least put this on the record. 
yeah, like again, this is one of the least offensive ones to me. Mm-hmm. Like this one, Levy and and pulling teeth are like the the three that make this record remotely bearable. Okay, because then afterwards, like it's just it's not great. That's fair. And with exception of like a small shining moment, and I'll get to that here in a minute. But yeah, it, it's just it's more metalcore. Yeah, like there, there, there's nothing really to this song that hasn't already been said. It and. Yeah, I'm not going to say any more on it. No, I don't blame you. Jumping into Fighting Gravity, which is the third single that was released. I I don't actually have Uh, the information. Okay, so so then Fighting Gravity would have been the fourth single. Sure. What are your thoughts on this one? I hate this song. I am on the opposite side of the spectrum. (laughs) I I'm I'm really glad that we, we have. We already know why I hate this song, Matt. So why don't you go ahead and tell us why you love this song? Yeah, absolutely. So I, if you guys haven't kind of figured out already, based on the you know just kind of talking on the the podcast, I'm a sucker for good like good soft rock songs that have a a really catchy chorus and it just something about this song. I can't quite put my finger on what part of this song exactly really hooked me. I think the chorus is probably my number one point here on the, on this song specifically. The song starts off with some electronics followed by a riff that gives the expectation of of another heavy song, but no, not, not on this one. The song screams power ballad verses are softly sung before a chorus that soars with both the guitars and the vocals. So we're getting to hear both of those kind of kind of blow up here. Um, Oh, here's the note here. Fourth single release for the record. And uh, I got to say, dude, I first listened to this one is I was hooked on it. I'm a I'm a sucker for good choruses. And I got to say it's a good chorus. Every time I heard this song, I'm like, man, this one's kind of irritating. I don't even remember what song this is. And then it would come in with fighting gravity. And I'm like, oh, okay, I know what song this is that irritates <laughs> me now. <laughs> yeah, th- this one here, like, again, just not a fan of it musically. Mm-hmm. Lyrically, it doesn't make sense. If everything is where it's supposed to be, then why does space just feel so incomplete? Fine line. If everything is made to fall in place, why am I always fighting gravity? You're not fighting gravity. You're just succumbing to the laws of gravity because that's just how it works. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, the the lyrics on this one I, I kind of found was a little hard to yeah, kind of put two and two together. And I do recognize that my my cynicism is just making this because I, I I would be able to probably forgive these lyrics if the rest of the album wasn't so bad. But at mm-hmm. this point I'm just kind of nitpicking because this record irritated me so much. Yeah. Yeah, no, and, and honestly, based on kind of what, what I've heard from you, I can't blame you. Speaking of irritating, we're going to go into Echo. The title track of the record. It's back to the heavy. I mean, it, it really quickly brought back to the heavy. It starts with the, some, again, electronics before bringing everyone in for some kind of, you know, kind of a soothing portion of the song. And then thrust into this extremely heavy verse with chugging riffs and Aaron continuing to sound mad as all get out. Chorus is, again, a stark contrast from the verses in terms of tempo. And I haven't completely figured out if I think if it fits or not. It's, it's, I, I had, because I was like, I like it, but I don't like it. It doesn't, you know, it, it just felt too much like verse, 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 hard line chorus. 
when I started listening to the record and learned that it was called Echo and saw the title track, mm-hmm. I bet myself, and obviously this means nothing in terms of me winning something, but I <laughs> bet myself $10 that if that, that they're going to overuse delay in this song. And by God, they overuse delay in this song because mm. it's an Echo. Yep. Yeah, it, it just like every part of the uh, of the chorus is all just delayed. Mm-hmm. So like every time they say a line, it's repeated back a few seconds later, just in the normal delayed fashion, where it's it's slowly rolling off the top end, it's decaying, and it's just slowly repeating itself in time. Right. It, it's a trope that's well overdone at this point. Like it's nothing new. I really hope that they didn't feel like they were really accomplishing something cool and new this time mm-hmm. because th- there is nothing new about this. And honestly, I feel like it would have done the song service had they not done it. Yeah. Just because it's so overused in that regard. Like if you were to look up any song with echo in the title, you're going to find that feature in it. Almost, yeah. Almost exclusively. Um, this one here also kind of brings in the similar concepts that uh, Pulling Teeth had. Um, there is some sound bites. I'm not certain where they're from uh, that happened before each of the uh, choruses. Um, the first one is, if all time is eternally present, all time is unredeemable, which I thought was kind of neat. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the uh, the second one, which is a bit longer, it's what might have been and what has been point to one end, which is always present. Footfalls echo in the memory. My words echo thus in your mind. Which, again, is kind of cool. I'm honestly kind of curious yeah. what, what presentation this was given in because that's I feel like it's a presentation that I would like to hear. Yeah, no, for sure. And uh, this song is also what features the uh, ad infinitum lyric, which comes towards the end uh, at the breakdown on it, and it finishes out, now we echo into forever. Okay. Mm, yay. So before we get into the last song, the, the last thing I really want to say about Echo is the... My one of my biggest turnoffs for this song is the multitude of tempo changes in this song mm-hmm. feel extremely unnecessary. And we go from really heavy to soft to basically Charmin soft material. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I wasn't ready for that one. <laughs> yes, it hit. Um, that was good. <laughs> thank you. The problem because we were getting these these tempo changes so fast. That's what really was like. I'm not. A, I don't like that. That doesn't fit. Like if it were, if, if we look at some other records that we've talked talked about here on the podcast, is we get kind of a nice ebb and flow kind of throughout. This was not an ebb and flow. This is peaks and valleys just all the way throughout, and none of it seems to work at, yeah. at all. Yeah, the, and the, really, like, the last thing that we... So that, that was actually the last original song on the album. Yep. Uh, the, the final song here is Helplessly Hoping, which is originally done by Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Mm-hmm. Um, this is that shining moment that I was talking about, because I feel like this okay. is actually a relatively well-done cover. Like, yeah. It was... It did justice to the original, and while I still like the original a lot better, mm-hmm. like I feel like this is a good um, offering to it. I guess would be the best way to put it. Yeah, uh, it did it in their kind of. It, it was a very soft. We had um, we had more of the like harmonization on Aaron's voice. Mm-hmm. We had it was uh, electronics as well as some strings mm-hmm. uh, that were used with it. And I feel like they did the song justice. I don't feel yeah. like this was like an abomination in comparison, like some covers have been in the past. Overall, like 
I like listening to this version. I'm still going to listen to the Crosby, Stills, and Nass version because I don't want to support this album in any way. That's fair. But overall, like this version of the song wasn't bad. Okay. So this one, um, as you kind of alluded, um, the cover by originally performed by Cosby, Stills, and Nash. The- Crosby, Stills, and Nash, not Cosby. Crosby. Oh, I oh, okay. You know what? I think I just mistyped it, but I think I did <laughs> see Crosby. So that's my that's my bad. The original song is very stripped down, being exclusive, almost exclusively vocals and guitar. Of Mice and Men kept really loyal to that minimalism, as you had alluded to. Um, again, being pretty much Aaron singing as well as some strings and electronics. I thought it was an interesting choice for closing out the record, but I will say it seems to fit for kind of one reason. Um, when you look at the kind of concept of what the record was lyrically, is it almost feels like it's supposed to reflect the idea of being hope of that hope of, that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. So it's almost kind of like the record is just like doom and gloom, doom and gloom. Oh, existential crisis. And then it's just like, hoping that there there's a light at the end of it i think it would this was actually the first time i'd have heard the original song and i really enjoyed that um i definitely think i'd probably pick that the original over this one but i think it's a it's a cool kind of reskin of the song and i i have to give them a little bit uh, a little bit of credit on you know doing it doing a good job yeah yeah and, and, and like i said it, it's a good cover i mm-hmm. i We've talked about this ad infinitum in, <laughs> infinitum in the past. <laughs> uh, I see what you did there. Yeah, no, like, we've talked about this in the past, specifically with the um, the Love and Death record when they covered uh, "Let Me Love You," mm-hmm. and um, it's it hits all the marks. Like it still it pays homage to the original song. It does it in their own unique style. Yep, and it's it's recognizable enough. Yeah, because like when I heard the song originally, I was like. Oh wait a second! I know what this is. Yeah, because like I, I recognize the title from it, but I'm just like, yeah, I mean, it, it, it could it, just, it be could just a, be a metalcore song because yeah. it's called "Helplessly Hoping." Like that just seems something like a metalcore main. Yeah, would, no, would absolutely. Put. Well, and there's there's so many different song you know song titles that you're going to see all over the place. Like just for an example, this like the river. Black Label Society did it. I believe Zach Wilde wrote it as a kind of memorial piece to Dimebag Daryl, yeah, if yeah. I remember. Um, Wage War has a song called The River. Good and Charlotte's among, got a song called The River. I, I can believe it. So it's 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 really hard to have a completely unique song title. So Showcase number two. Anything with the word broken in the title. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, it's it's a decent the the cool thing about this one that I have to I do have to give a shout out to of mice and men for is they didn't overdo it mm-hmm. and yeah. I think that's the problem with some covers nowadays I'll go off on this tangent and then we'll wrap this up certain bands I I respect the that they're trying to kind of do a song in their own flavor and kind of give their artistic um kind of telling of a song like Whitechapel back in 2011 or 12 right around the self-titled they released an ep and they actually did a cover of a pantera song i love pantera 
I love Whitechapel. I hated that cover. I didn't I even know that wish, that cover existed. I wish I could remember what the the uh, Pantera song was. That was probably Walk. Actually, I know it wasn't. It oh, was really? it was kind of a popular one, but it wasn't like a super super popular song by Pantera, and it just was not done right at all. And I, you know, it, it just missed all the marks. This one hit the marks that it needed to, and. Again, I, I commend them for it. Avenged Sevenfold actually did a Pantera song. They did walk too. Yes, they it did. It was terrible. Um, <laughs> oh God, what was um, Mouth for War? Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, really, Whitechapel did that? No, 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 no. Uh, Avenged Sevenfold did. Oh no! Well, they also did walk then. Yeah, or at least it was like a live version that I heard. Let me see if I can pull that up. But um, yeah, anyway, so I'll, I'll go ahead and close yeah. this up. Yeah, so um, that is going to do it for our uh, track by track breakdown on the uh, the new album from Of Mice and Men, Echo. And uh, what we like to do now is we like to go ahead and give our tentacle rating on a scale of one to eight tentacles, one being the worst and eight being the best. Uh, Matt, on a scale of one to eight tentacles, where are you at? So. It took me a little bit of time before well, I. We could. all know where I am on this, basically. Yeah, I'm very curious as to where you throw this. Yeah, so I. It took me a bit of time to kind of figure out what I would for sure want to rate this. Casual listens again at first, kind of riding the high of what I was thinking of the songs I heard before. I was sitting about a five six. Just I was impressed with what I had heard. Once I dug into the songs, though, it fell for me. I'm putting it at a three. There's. A few shining points on the record that makes me kind of want to return to it or at least return to the singles. But unfortunately, because it's just a lot of stuff I've heard before in some way, shape or form. And the lyrics, again, reading through the lyrics, just kind of just started knocking it down a peg. Intentionally listening to it, started dropping it. So I think a, a three feels feels safe. Yeah, um, I, I'm going to be sitting at a two on this one. Because Makes as I mentioned sense. earlier, like it's it's not the escape the fate level of bad, mm-hmm. where it just felt like the songs were intentionally bad. I just feel like this record was truly lazy. Yeah, and this this was a really softball effort. Man, I, honestly, I don't really understand that phrase, softball effort. Softball is a lot harder than regular baseball in a lot of ways, <laughs> but that's beside the point. Um, it it just it felt like they needed to produce something for the record label, and mm-hmm. so they produced something for the record label. Yep. So, um. Kind of jumping jumping back to the Whitechapel cover, it was uh, Strength Beyond Strength uh, by Pantera. Um, okay. I'll have to listen to that afterwards because I'm curious now. Yeah. But um, yeah, so that is going to do it for our breakdown of, of Mice and Men's Echo. Uh, now what we'd like to do is we'd like to go into our hidden track where we like to talk about something not necessarily related to this album. And this week, Matt and I have both decided to talk about the same record. Because it was recently, uh, it was dropped on the same day, and it was a discussion between us on whether we wanted to do this one or the Of Mice and Men. Um, I let Matt win on that because reasons. I don't, I don't know why. We I haven't chose, figured that one out yet. I, I don't, I don't know why I let this happen to myself. But the record that I wanted to bring up is the new, the Browning record entitled "End of Existence." Matt, why don't you hit me with your thoughts on this one? So this one really caught me off guard. I was kind of introduced to them pretty early in their career, and it was just, if you're looking for spicy breakdowns, this is the band to go to. They just play heavy, heavy music. Um, as I was listening to this, as I'm just kind of, I was just kind of sitting there, and I'm like, you know, playing Pokemon and just hanging out, and all of a sudden, is it just like 
heavy. And then all of a sudden it's just EDM. And the then new, it goes. Okay. Are you having, did you have a problem with this? I was, it caught me off guard. Okay. You've never listened to the Browning right then because all of the Browning's old material is all like metal, 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 EDM brick, EDM brick, EDM brick, metal, 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 EDM brick, EDM brick. Honestly, <laughs> I must not have been listening to the right songs. I don't think you were. So, so I like, and I think just whatever I had been introduced to, it was just straight brute mode. So I was, I was caught very off guard. Um, the cleans, the shouting vocals, the electronics, the very EDM kind of kind of sound, again shook me a little bit, but it was a, at least a pleasant listen to. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to listen to this record much. I think I maybe got about a time and a half uh, through it, and I just I just wasn't able to listen to it any further. I ended up actually listening to another release that came out recently that I want to talk about after um, Gabe gives his thoughts. At least based based exclusively with what I've heard so far is I'm going to sit at about a three and a half. I can't commit to a three because I feel like it's not giving credit to the what the the band is doing on this release. But I don't want to say a four because I haven't dug into it f- enough to really say like, okay, four feels right. So I'm, I'm going to kind of I'm going to kind of be a fence sitter on this one, at least for right now. Matt can't commit. That's his problem. <laughs> that that's that's some dirty laundry that I we would have to talk about on another time. Yeah, this is not a, this is not a uh, unload Matt's bag. Yeah, podcast. literally. <laughs> yeah. Um, as a I I was a I'm a longtime fan of the Browning. Mm-hmm. Um, they're one of those bands that I know what I'm going to get every single time, and it is one of those things where like I don't feel like. They're not really groundbreaking at all. They're doing the same thing over and over. This is like their fourth or fifth record at this point. Yeah. And it is, it, it's a little bit different than what they've done, but that's because they haven't put out a record in like close to eight years or something like that. Oh my God. It, it's been a while. But, yeah. Uh, and I could be a little bit off on that time. But the first records, all three of them sound exactly the same. They are all EDM breaks, metal, EDM breaks, metal, EDM breaks, metal. And. It's kind of nice just to have that stupid to go back to. It, it it is. It's definitely nice to have something where you, it just that mind numbing. It's almost like certain comedy movies where mm-hmm. it's just kind of just mind numbing entertainment that you can just kind of just throw on and it, just. It, it's like watching Family Guy or like really any Seth MacFarlane yeah. thing. Like you know what you're getting into. It's gonna be stupid. It will be mind numbing. It has no true value to it, mm-hmm. but you can still enjoy it, and that's where the value is held. And that's yep. the way I am with the Browning. That makes um, sense. I discovered them well early into like my metal listening career and okay. uh, career, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> and it's just, it, they're one of those bands that I can always go back to if I don't really want to think about what I'm listening to. Yeah. It's, it kind of just, it has the appeal of like your electronic synth breaks. It has the cool chugs that have no real like crazy rhythm or crazy technicality behind them other than just chug and chug and chug. Yep. And then these just the screen vocals and I, I love it so much. And th- I was I was very excited for this album to come out, and I, I wasn't really let down by this. I was I was expecting more EDM breaks, um, which they omitted a lot of those in comparison with older songs. Okay, which I thought was an interesting take. But apparently the um, I and I completely spacing on his name with the lead guy who basically runs everything for the Browning. Mm-hmm. Um, he's going to be coming out with remix versions that incorporate a lot more of them too, oh, which that's I'm actually cool. really excited for. 
but yeah, so th- that's really what I've got this week. And Matt, you said you have one more. Yes, album that you um, want to bring up? I actually, you and I have actually gotten to experience some of this together. Um, but for those of you who are listening, that um, I may have talked about this band a little bit. Um, it's the band Ten Fifty Six. Uh, they released. Uh, it's called Downer Part One on November twenty fifth, uh, and it looks like it's through Out of Line Music. It's six songs. It looks to be an EP. I'm assuming Downer Part Two is going to come out, and it's going to probably end up being just the Downer full length record. This is the new band that I really wish I knew his name, but the old screaming vocal, screaming vocalist of Betraying the Martyrs. This is his new band. If you're looking for something that is just unreal amounts of heavy, you're you're looking at something to be like drop to like drop Z, just stupid kind of heavy music that really you're just want to get hit in the face. This is what to listen to. It's just ma- it's angry. It's it's to the point where you almost hear the strings flapping against the guitars. Basically, like it is it is. Stupid low. It's like King Eight Ten low. <laughs> it's it's disgusting. I got to I went and I was able to get a chance to listen through all of that. I had heard the single when it was released. Boy, I believe Diazafram, I believe was one of the other singles, and then the sure. final song called Chemo, uh, Diazapam. Um, so I, I was just about right. It's a like um, depression medication or something. I can't remember. I, that's, Diazepam is yeah, that sounds right. It's there. There's. It's almost unnecessary how heavy it is, but I will not say no to it because I am. Mm, I'm hooked. Fair enough. But that is going to wrap it up for today's podcast. We do appreciate you guys taking the time to listen to us. Please feel free to like, rate, subscribe, comment on anywhere that you can get the podcast, whether that be Spotify, iTunes, Apple Music. Uh, I don't know. There's so many different places to listen to podcasts anymore. <laughs> if you find us on there and it gives you the option to like, rate, and subscribe, and comment, do it. Uh, you can also find us on a variety of social medias. We are available on uh, TikTok, about, yeah, Instagram, <laughs> Facebook, and YouTube. Um, Twitter is up in the air at this point. Deal with that down the road, okay? I'm not, I'm not <laughs> in the mental. I am not in the mental state to deal with that right now. <laughs> uh, but we do appreciate you guys taking the time to listen, and uh, we will be back next week with something. I don't. I don't even know what comes out next week. I'm not week 100% at this point. sure what's coming out. Yeah, soon. D- due to the, due to the nature of like the way that releases work, like we don't get the albums ahead of time or anything like that, which is why we have to release them though the week after. Yeah. So. I don't know. I'll I'll look it up. We'll we'll figure out something. But in the meantime, we'll see you later. We'll catch you in the next one. Thanks for listening to The Two Idiots. (laughs) Heyo!